Well, what's up, guys? How you doing? Alex McDonald in Atlanta, joined by Daniel Munoz. Guess what? Also somewhat in Atlanta. Hey, Dan. Hey, Al. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, before anyone says Danielle's audio and video are out of sync, we know it's going to be a thing tonight. So we'll just uh, we'll go with it. We'll pretend um, I'm in a Chinese movie. Yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, let's go say hi to our friends. While I, Before I press that button, I'm going to get this queued up because I can trigger. I just I remembered I can trigger it myself to, nice. uh, to kick in. Let's see. Uh, Peggy Brown is here. What's up, Peggy? Hey, Peggy. There's Michelle Brown. What's up, Michelle? Hey, Michelle. Um, there's Richard. What's up, Richard? Good to see you. By the way, anybody watching on YouTube, hit subscribe. Uh, Janine is here. Hey, Janine. Good to see you. Rich Archer's here. What's up, Rich? There's hey, Holly. Rich. Holly Allison. What's up, Holly? Hey, big, Holly. big Diamond Dave. What's going on, Dave? Good to see you, brother. Hey, you skipped right over my mama over in Rumble. There, there's your mom. Hey, Rita. Yeah, I see her. Sorry, I did. Hi, mama. Hi, Rita. Thank you all for tuning in. And Rita's in the other room, right? She's right over there, yeah. Yes, she is. She's, again, once again, hearing you in stereo. Um, Bless her heart. That's a lot of me, dude. That is an awful lot of you. Um, good to be back. Got a lot to talk about. To, well, okay. We got some more Twitter file stuff to talk about, but I, I want to try to get through it pretty quickly because we know where this is headed. Well, all right. We, we know what we know already. Most of this is just confirmation of what we already knew, to be honest with you. Uh, let's see the Kurt's the uh, Kurt's here. There's the intern. What's up, brother? Good to see you. Hello, Joy is here. Hey, Joy. Thank Hello, you for sister. tuning in. Thank you, Rich. Um, we, we know what we know. We had confirmation of so much of this prior to the Twitter files and this is just more validation of what we already knew, Danielle. But before we start on it, it's, it's important to remember this. This is Donald Trump's Twitter that's been reinstated. And these are the last couple of tweets that he made, January 8th of 2021. Pardon me. The 75, the 75 million Great American patriots who voted for me. America first and make a, make America great again will have a giant voice long into the future. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. I was going to ask how you read that, but um, you know what? We'll get, we'll come back to it. And secondly, to all those who have asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. Keep those two tweets in mind, Danielle, as we go through this stuff. I think it was Saturday that Michael Schellenberger posted what, what would be part four of the Twitter files. And it covered January it effectively January 6th or January 7th effectively after the uh the insurrection Danielle Katie Manor is here hey Katie good to see you hey Katie um on January 7th senior twitter execs number 1 created justifications to ban Trump number 2 
seeked to seeked a change of policy for Trump alone, distinct from other political leaders. Number three, express no concern for free speech or democracy implications of a ban. For all those catching up, see parts one, two, and three. Um, For years, Twitter have resisted calls to ban Trump. Blocking a world leader from Twitter, it wrote in 2018, would hide important info and hamper necessary discussion around their words and actions. We're going to leave Michael Schellenberger here, and we're going to jump over to today's posting, Danielle, from Barry Weiss. Okay. This was tw- this is what Twitter said in 2018. Okay. Blocking a world leader from Twitter, it wrote, would hide important info and hamper necessary discussions around the words and actions. Let's add some context to this, actually, before we jump over to Barry Weiss. We've been through parts one, two, and three of the Twitter files. Parts one and two on the main show, part three on a Friday evening extra. We can't forget the warning that was issued by the trust and security team about not allowing a repeat of 2016. They didn't mention Donald Trump by name specifically, but they said, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember the exact quote, we have to remember 2016 and can't let that happen again. That was in part one of the Twitter files, you remember? Right, yes. In 2018, they say blocking a world leader from Twitter would hide important info and hamper necessary discussion around the world. We have also had Jack Dorsey going in front of Congress and testifying. When I read that, that when I read that, the very first thing I did was send a message to Kevin to Kevin McCarthy and remind him of what Jack Dorsey said and said this needs to be investigated. He appears to have perjured himself to uh, to Congress. Anyway, let's jump to today. This was supposed to be out yesterday. I don't know what the delay was, but Barry Weiss released it today. Hans is here. What's up, brother? Good to see you. Bring that up on the screen. The creaky SBF crook. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep, he has. Um, They're uh, Bankman, Bankman Fraud or whatever his name is. Bank, Bankman fraud. It's Bankman freed. Yes, he has. They waited until after he was able to launder a billion dollars for them to arrest him, but they have uh, they have in fact arrested him. Anyway, this dropped from from Barry Weiss today. The Twitter files part five: the removal of Trump from Twitter. On the morning of January eighth, President Trump, with one remaining strike from uh, be, before being at risk of permanent suspension from Twitter, tweets twice. At 8.46 a.m., the 75 million great American patriots who voted for me, we've already read this, America first and make America great again, will have a giant voice long into the future and they will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. Then at 7.44, to all those asked, I will not be going to the inauguration on January 20th. 
For years, Twitter had resisted calls both internal and external to ban Trump on the grounds that blocking a world leader would hide important information that people should be able to see and debate. Our mission is to provide a forum that enables people to be informed and to engage their leaders directly, the company wrote in 2019. So we have quotes now from 2018 and 2019. Twitter's aim was to protect the public's right to hear from their leaders and to hold them to account. But after January 6th, as Tiabi and Schellenberger have documented, pressure grew both inside and out of Twitter to ban Trump. The, there were dissenters inside of Twitter. You open this up. Maybe because I'm from China, I deeply understand how censorship can destroy the public conversation. These are Slack messages from between Twitter employees, Danielle. I understand this fear, but I also think it's important to understand that censorship by a government is very different than censorship of the government. The First Amendment of the United States and similar legislation in other countries with similar concepts exists specifically to prevent the government from silencing the people. The implication there, Danielle, is that it's okay for Twitter to silence Donald Trump because he's part of the government. I respect that, but realistically, we impose far stricter rules on effectively everyone else on the platform. We started labeling restricting his tweets when they became a threat to democracy. <laughs> Who interpreted them as a threat to democracy? To We're not that. sure. Right. And seemed like that was our red line. Yesterday, he clearly attempted to overthrow our democratic system of government and showed no signs of remorse. If this is not a clear reason to suspend him, again, as an unhinged ruler attempting to subvert the most powerful democracy in the world, I'm not sure what would be. We don't know who that employee was because the names have been redacted. But that was a Twitter employee making a justification for banning President Trump. But voices like that one appear to have been a distinct minority within the company. Across Slack channels, many Twitter employees were upset that Trump hadn't been banned earlier. After January 6th, Twitter employees organized to demand their employer ban Trump. There's a lot of employee advocacy happening, said one Twitter employee. I'm not going to read through all of that. We have to do the right thing and ban this account, what said one staffer. It's pretty obvious he's going to try to thread the needle of incitement without violating the rules, said another. <laughs> I know. In the early afternoon of January 8th, the Washington Post published an open letter signed by over 300 Twitter employees to CEO Jack Dorsey demanding Trump's ban. Employees of Twitter demanding that the president or, yeah, the president of the United States, he was still president until January 20th, demanding that he be banned from Twitter. We must examine Twitter's complicity in what President Biden has rightly termed insurrection, according to the open letter. But the Twitter staff assigned to evaluate tweets quickly concluded that Trump had not violated Twitter's policies. 
I think we'd have a hard time saying this is incitement, wrote one staffer. It's pretty clear he's saying the American patriots are the ones who voted for him and not the terrorists. Can we, we can call them that, right? He, he was checking to make sure he could call voters American patriots. Another staffer agreed, don't see the incitement angle here. I'm also not seeing clear or coded incitement in the DJT tweet, wrote Annika Novarelli, a Twitter policy official. I'll respond in the elections channel and say that our team has assessed and found no VIOS violations. Pay attention to that. I'm also not seeing clear or coded incitement in the DJT tweet. This was a Twitter policy official floating the idea of somehow coded messages being spread on Twitter between Donald Trump and Donald Trump's followers. Like What's there's the dog whistle thing. It's it's Twitter employees buying into the whole QAnon bullshit. Right. Is what it is. None of us buy into it. Right? right. None of us. Repu- conservatives, Republicans, we don't buy into that. Some do. But some on the left do also. For example, uh, Paul Pelosi's lover. He was a QAnon conspiracy theorist. Well, I say lover. Let's call him an attacker for right now. But we, we're pretty sure he was his gay lover. Um, Bringing him drugs. That would The truth on that will be revealed on Twitter at some point, I'm certain. Um, but yeah, I'm not seeing clear or coded incitement in the DJT tweets. I'm, uh, I'll, res- I'll respond in the elections channel and say that our team has assessed and found no vials. She does just that. As an FYI, safety has assessed the DJT tweet above and determined there are no vo- violations of our policies at this time. Later, Navaroli would testify to the House January 6th committee. For months, I'd been begging and anticipating and attempting to raise the Reality that if nothing, we have made no intervention into what I saw occurring. People were going to die. I don't know what any of that statement means. Let me zoom in on that so Danny can... I'm staying zoomed out because I have to open the attachments, Danielle. For months, I had been begging and anticipating and attempting to raise the reality that if nothing... If we made no intervention into what I saw occurring, people were going to die. There's some context left missing from there, but I think what it's saying is I've been begging these people to ban this guy. Right. Otherwise, he's going to incite violence and people are going to die. Next, Twitter's safety team decides that Trump's 744 e-tweet Uh, uh, Eastern Time tweet is also not in violation. They are unequivocal. It's clear. No violation. Just just dropping in to say he tweeted again, but it's a clear no vio. It's just to say he's not attending the inauguration. People might be saying that this is proof that he doesn't support a peaceful transition is the uh, the reply to that. It's been cut off there, and I apologize for it. The reply to that is, well, you could, you could read it as if people are, you know what, that's all listed. I can zoom in on that. 
There you go. People might be saying this is the proof that he doesn't support a peaceful transition. Danielle, let me ask your question. Let's say, let's say somebody takes my job. Okay. And they have a party for that person. And I'm invited to that party. And I say, oh, no thanks. I'll, I'll pass. I'm going to go ahead and pack up my stuff in my desk. And Would, would you assume from that it means I'm going to go in there, guns a-blazing, and start trying to kill everybody? Because that's what Twitter employees are assuming from Trump's tweet. People might be saying that this is the proof that he doesn't support a peaceful transition. Not that this employee is saying it. Right. People might be saying that. They might be. I'm not saying it. But I'm just floating it for you in case you need a reason to ban him. To understand Twitter's decision to ban Trump, we must consider how Twitter deals with other heads of state and political leaders, including Iran, Nigeria, and Ethiopia. In June 2018, Iran's Ayatollah al-Khamenei tweeted, Israel is a malignant cancerous tumor in the West Asian region and has to be removed and eradicated. It is possible and it will happen. Neither Twitter neither deleted the tweet nor banned the Ayatollah. In October of 2020, bear in mind, these are all while President Trump was president. Right? None of these tweets predate 2016. Right. In October of 2020, the former Malaysian prime minister said it was a right for Muslims to kill millions of French people while they're invading France, by the way. There's a, a migrant crisis in France, and it's mostly Islamists. And um, in October of 2020, they said it was the right for Muslims to kill millions of French people. Twitter deleted his tweet for glorifying violence, but he remains on the platform. The tweet below was taken from the Wayback Machine. Mohamed Bari, the president of Nigeria, incited violence against pro-Bifara uh, groups. Those of us in the fields for 30 months who went through the war, he wrote, will treat them in the language they understand. Twitter deleted the tweet but did not ban Bari. In October of 21, Twitter allowed Ethiopian Prime Minister, this is after, by the way, Trump's ban. Twitter allowed Ethiopian Prime Minister, I don't know, Abi Ahmed, Abi Ahmed, I believe, Ahmed, yeah. to call on citizens to take up arms against the Tigray region. Twitter allowed the tweet to remain up and did not ban the Prime Minister. These are people actively calling for violence and death. Remind me here where President Trump called for violence and death. Let's go back to January 6th. Remind me here where President Trump called for violence and death. It just didn't happen. 
In early February 2021, Prime Minister Nandara Modi's government threatened to arrest Twitter employees in India. This was a threat to Twitter employees and to incarcerate them for up to seven years after they restored hundreds of accounts that had been critical of him. Twitter did not ban Modi. If Twitter employees think that Donald Trump makes them unsafe, how do you think they felt about this guy not being banned? Well, they didn't care because guess what? He's a socialist freak. But Twitter executives did ban Trump, even though key staffers said that Trump had not incited violence, not even in a coded way. There's that term again. Right. Less than 90 minutes after Twitter employees had determined that Trump's tweets were not in violation of Twitter policy, Vijay Gatti, Twitter's head of legal policy and trust, asked whether it could in fact be coded incitement to further violence. A Twitter employee floated that, floated that idea, Vijaya Gadi saw that as the justification she needed to ban a sitting president. And, and this anti-American bitch ran with it. Thanks. The biggest question is whether a tweet like the one this morning from Trump, which isn't a rule violation on its face, is being used as coded incitement to further violations. If you have any context or insight, we should consider I'm all ears. Example, use use of term American patriots, and they will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape, or form. She's wanting to manipulate that into some kind of... Uh, coded club message between Donald Trump and his supporters, even though anybody reading that tweet knows exactly what he was saying. Right. He's saying the MAGA movement's not done. The MAGA movement is going to be strong moving in, moving forward, and we will not be deterred. That's what he's saying. Vijay Gadi is now trying to manipulate that to give her the justification she needs to ban Trump because that is her life goal at this point, is to ban Donald Trump. This is an interesting question. I'm going to speak with my team ASAP to see if we can run a quick survey to get reactions to the language contained in the tweet and get back to you. So now Twitter are going to create a brand new policy to target President Trump to remove the sitting president of the United States based on a survey of who? Twitter employees. <laughs> what what do they think the result of that survey is going to be? Oh my God. And survey says, um, oh, and now Vijay Gadi in her defense, not in her defense, she just knows better. I'm not sure I would rely on a survey. I worry about how that would be perceived externally. Well, no shit, lady. A few minutes later, Twitter employees announced that the uh, announced on the scaled enforcement team, 
all of these stupid names, man. Right. They take themselves way too fucking seriously over at Twitter. Yes. Suggests that Trump's tweet may have twi violated Twitter's glorification of violence policy if you interpret the, the phrase American patriots to refer to the rioters, even though it specifically said the 75 million American patriots that voted for me. There were not 75 million rioters at the Capitol. On January right. 6th. So it's a, it is a stretch to get to the this conclusion that Twitter's now getting to. Team Scale is scale. Team Scale is asking if we would consider Trump's tweet for GOV, glorification of violence, if we consider American patriots to refer to the rioters. They have a point that they really don't, but sure. Uh, team, my laptop is frozen. We'll rejoin ASAP, says the person in Slack on their laptop. Sending a message. Yeah, I know. I just thought that was weird. Scale has said they understand our position, but will continue to push their GOV assessment with leadership. They see it that he is the leader of a violent extremist group who is glorifying the group and its recent actions. That's how they're now interpreting that last tweet, second to last, the penultimate tweet from Donald Trump. Do you think we should square off GOV in the DJT assessment, or would it be helpful at this point? Uh, I think it could be helpful to maybe have a write-up of what a VIO assessment could look like. Let's write up an assessment of, well, let's write up what a, uh, violation assessment could look like just in case scale tips the balance and that becomes the decision things escalate from there members of the team members of that team came to view him as the leader of a terrorist group well we just read that we'll skip right. over that two hours later twitter executives host a 30-minute all staff meeting jack dorsey and vijaya Gotti answer staff questions as to why trump wasn't banned yet but they make some employees angrier. <laughs> Mul yeah, I know multiple tweets, Twitter employees have quoted the banality of evil, suggesting that people imp implementing our policies are like Nazis following orders relays, relays your wrath to a colleague. So now the Twitter employees in order to pressure their employer are now comparing them to Nazis. Yeah, I've been keeping an eye on it. Candidly, not a lot of people who are close to the decisions would feel safe engaging there. The people who are making the decisions don't want to go and deal with their own employees. Multiple tweets have quoted the banality of evil, suggesting that people implementing our policies are like the Nazis following orders, which is someone responsible for our policies who has a direct family has direct family members in who had direct family members in Auschwitz is not exactly an environment I want to wade into. People are angry and want to express themselves, but the way the conversation happens can close off meaningful engagement. Yoel Roth just identified right there how leftists fucking act all of the time, every time. If they don't get their way, they get violent. Yep. Yoel Roth just identified that among Twitter 
employees. He is scared to go and engage with Twitter employees because they're they're a bit violent right now. And I wouldn't feel safe. I would not feel safe wading into that. I would not feel safe engaging there. Welcome, Yoel Roth, to your side. Dorsey requested simpler language to explain Trump's suspension. Roth wrote, God help us. This makes me think he wants to share it publicly. If we get close to suspension and an analysis of 8chan or Parler, is it 8chan? Is that what it is? And an analysis of, of 8chan or Parler as part of the decision, any links to that content will be helpful for us with Trusted. If possible, I'd like those services to pay a price here. This is Twitter employees talking about how they can exact some kind of, I don't know, vengeance Revenge. on other people's websites. Your Roth says, yep, noted. Dell is rewriting the doc per request from Jack to make it simpler, which God help us makes me think he wants to share it publicly. Now your Roth is concerned that his boss, the, the, the Jack Dorsey, the CEO of the company, might actually go public with the policies before they ban Donald Trump. And that scares y'all. Why does it scare him? Probably because it will upset his employees who already view him as a Nazi and probably want to hang him up and skin him alive. One hour later, Twitter announces Trump's permanent suspension due to the risk of further incitement of violence. Many at Twitter were ecstatic, all the yays and woohoos right there. And congratulatory big props to whoever in trust and safety is sitting there whack a moling these Trump accounts right there. Again, more Twitter uh, employees. By the next day, employees expressed eagerness to tackle medical misinformation as soon as possible. For the longest time, Twitter stance that they weren't the arbiter of truth, wrote another employee, which I respected, but never gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling. In other words, we're not the arbiters of truth, but uh, I think we should be. Well, they became that. Twitter's CEO, COO Parag Alwa, who would later succeed Dorsey as CEO, told head of security Mike Zatko, uh, Mudge Zatko, I think a few of us should brainstorm the ripple effects of Trump's ban, Argwell added. Centralized content moderation. I, I'm going to jump on here. Here we go. We've had this conversation, Danielle. We talked about this. How the, um, how the debate over free speech is happening in other countries. Right. The debate over free speech is happening in countries where they don't have protected speech, where they don't have a First Amendment to limit what restrictions government can put on speech. They're having the conversation. We're not. In the United States, we're actively encouraging censorship. Outside the U.S., Twitter's decision to ban Trump raised alarms, including with French President Emmanuel Macron. German Prime Minister Angela Merkel and Mexico's President Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador. It's a name. Macron told an audience he didn't want to live in a democracy where the key decisions were made by private players. 
I want it to be decided by a law voted by your representatives or by regulation, governance, democracy discussed and approved by democratic leaders. I disagree with Macron there. Obviously, on its face, I don't think speech should be legislated. I don't right. think speech should be voted on by your representatives. But he's in France. They don't have the First Amendment. They don't have a Bill of Rights. They don't have these restrictions on government. I, I understand his sentiment, and I agree with it on its face. But I don't agree with his solution. Merkel's spokesperson called Twitter's decision to ban Trump from its platform problematic, which is the, the, the ultimate insult you can receive from a leftist, and added that the freedom of opinion is of elementary significance. Russian opposition leader Alexei Naliev criticized the ban as an unacceptable act of censorship. This from guys who murder people who say things they don't like. Cut out their tongues, yes. That guy will put a bullet in your head for saying shit he doesn't like, and even he thinks what Twitter did was unacceptable. Whether you agree with ne uh, Navanali or Anne Macron or the executives at Twitter, we hope this latest installment of the Twitter files gave you insight into that unprecedented decision. Danielle, they contorted themselves into positions never before seen in the human race right? to justify the ban of Donald Trump. There were no violations whatsoever. When there were no violations, people started floating ideas. They polluted the waters is what happened. They started talking about coding, coded messages, and... Once that confirmation bias hit these lefties, which it did like a brick wall, that was all the justification they needed to ban Donald Trump from Twitter. Right. Every single person involved in that decision should face a jury. Every single one of them. I'm almost at the point where every all of these employees' names should be unredacted, they should be made public, just like that, um, just like that New York Times journalist did to the libs of TikTok. What's that journalist's name? Oh yeah, I, don't I can't remember. remember her name. I hear you're talking about. Just like she doxed libs of TikTok, every single employee on that list should be doxed, and they should be made to answer for what they did. They should be doxxed, maybe not doxxed. They should be revealed to the relevant authorities. They should certainly be revealed to Congress so that this can be investigated to make sure this doesn't happen again. Because look at what Barry Weiss said. When all this is said and done, when they took that unprecedented step, it emboldened them to go after other things, misinformation. Right. There's a bit more to this thread where she talks about their plans for misinformation. And um, I don't know what that is. And um, it's, it's what you would expect of Twitter employees. Basically, it's, it's the case of if we don't agree with it, we should be able to suppress it is what it boils down to. Um, 
Let's jump over to the chat. Let me trigger a little tweet to fill in some of this stuff. And let's see what folks have been saying. Uh, Lisa Lancaster's here. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Rich Lisa. McCarty's here. What's up, Rich? Bill Campbell. Mm-hmm. What's up, Bill? Larry Cox is here. What's up, Larry? Hey, Bill. Hey, Larry. Larry said, President John Adams, John Quincy Adams, um, President John Adams, John Quincy Adams is Andrew Johnson did not attend inauguration of an ex-president. I, there's no requirement that you have to. Right. Right. The person that takes your job, you may not want to go uh, celebrate them um, taking the seat. And uh, that's that's what Trump said. The bans only apply to the right and especially Trump. Yep. Uh, just by Trump existing equals violence and death, right? Yep. Insert eye rolls here. You can insert eye rolls in uh, with your emojis and um, then they show up. I need to stop commenting. This makes me so mad. The hypocrisy just angers me to no end. Yeah. Uh, even wearing a decoder ring, you can't translate that into incitement, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I listen, these Twitter folks, these Twitter folks, it's a stretch of the imagination to consider that code for any incitement to violence. No, it's not. You know exactly what this is. This is a conversation inside an echo chamber. This yeah. is what happens when ideas are are volleyed and there's nobody to argue against them, when people just agree with each other. Yeah. This is what we get. Yeah. This kind of pablum. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, we're going to move Taylor on. Taylor Lorenz, yes, thank you. Taylor Dave. Lorenz, thank you. Um, we're going to move on, talk about something else. Uh, there are going to, obviously, there are going to be more Twitter files to come. I need to open a couple of stories here that I didn't have opened ready to go. What do we have? We should have about 20 minutes left, right? Yes. All right. Timed that quite well. Let's talk about this, Danielle, because this, this is a doozy and it has the FBI all in a tizzy. Yeah, it does. We've talked about this a number of times. Um, We've talked about how your iPhone is encrypted it's protected by the teacher t2 encrypted security chip and law enforcement are unable to get into it right and law enforcement have wanted a back door into these things and apples of apple have said no then there was that shooting in uh california pasadena i think it was it was in california by may have been pasadena and the the police had the iphone but They locked it by trying to enter a password too many times. And the only way they could get the data was from iCloud and the Apple and the FBI got into a tiff. iCloud data is unencrypted, but Apple were waiting for specific warrants or judgments to come before releasing the information. In the meantime, the Supreme Court or or the, the courts, they know they got it unlocked the phone unlocked by that Australian company in the end. Yeah, that black box or whatever and, it was called. And so they backed off on Apple because they didn't want to risk it going to court and losing right. a uh, judgment. Getting shut down. The long TLDR, as the kids say, iCloud data is is unencrypted. Well, it's encrypted, but Apple hold the key. 
There's no end-to-end encryption. Apple holds the security keys. Well, that's going to be changing. That's going to be changing. Apple have announced that um, photos and information you store on iCloud will be safer from hackers, spies, and the government to the dismay of uh, the FBI. Defying the snoops at the FBI, Apple has has announced it is implementing end-to-end encryption for the data people store on iCloud, making it all the more difficult for hackers, criminals, and the aforementioned government agency to access your info without your knowledge or permission. Apple made the announcement Wednesday evening. And it should be treated as a big deal by anybody who values data security. Apple's been planning to offer users the ability to encrypt their backed up iCloud data years ago, but it reportedly dropped the plan in 2018 after the FBI objected. Currently, Apple's all, Apple offers end-to-end encryption on its iMessage services so that messages can't be intercepted or read by third parties, but most data stored on iCloud are not encrypted, leaving them available to be accessed by law enforcement with subpoenas or warrants. It also leaves those data susceptible to hacking, which has led to cases uh, like this one from June, where a California man was convicted and sentenced to nine years in federal prison for breaking into thousands of iCloud accounts, stealing private photos and videos of nude women, and sharing them on the internet. We've talked about this, Danielle. Don't store your nudies in iCloud. There was also that thing where Apple was going to be scanning everyone's phones for uh, child pornography. You remember? Yes. They backed off on that as well. Um, Listen, this is, um, I'm not going to go through any more of that. We don't need to. This is this is good news. They say it will be rolled out, I believe, by the end of the year. Um, let me verify that. Let me verify that. I think it says in here. Um, Apple says the new bolstered iCloud encryption should be available to Americans by the end of the year and will roll out to the rest of the world in early 2023. So this month. Yeah, that's soon. That's like the next couple of weeks. This month. I don't know how they're going to do it, whether it's going to be turned on by default, which it needs to be. Should be turned on by default. But here's a warning to everybody that doesn't take their private personal security seriously. What this means up until now If you lose your Apple password, there are ways to get them to unlock it and give you back your data. From this point on, that will be impossible. And I know people are going to get mad at Apple when they forget their fucking password and they call Apple and say, recover my shit. And Apple say, well, we can't. It was encrypted. Only you held the encryption key. They're going to get mad at Apple, but they got no one to blame but themselves. No one. Take your personal security seriously. Use a password. Every operating system these these days has an ability to store passwords securely. Store them securely. Keep them somewhere. 
If you have two-factor authentication, pay attention, keep them updated. If you switch phones, make sure you update your two-factor accounts so that it goes to your new phone. Um, try not to use a cell phone number for two-factor. Try to use an application like Authy or something like that. Uh, list your recovery codes. Every account you have with two-factor has a recovery key. It looks like a Microsoft Windows um, registration key. Big, right. long chain of letters and numbers. Every two-factor account you have has a recovery key. I hope you have them backed up. Your Apple account. If you have two-factor enabled, which you have to now, I believe, there's a recovery key. Hands up who knows their recovery key. Hands up who has it so that you can recover things after the fact. But even then, you get recovery. Where do you get that on Apple? Say what? Where do you get that on Apple? I didn't even know you Apple were, had You one. were prompted to save it when you turned on two-factor authentication with Apple. Oh, then I have it. Okay. Okay. If, yeah, I verify that though. Mine's it. Mine's stored. Guess where? One password. In your one password. It's yeah. stored in one password. Um, but even that won't help once they have end-to-end -end encryption. The only thing that will unlock it will be me being able to unlock my account using my password. That's it. If you forget so, your password, you're done. Okay. So if you lose your password, no more like send me a reset code. No more. Not with end-to-end. -end. Well, they can do it, but you will lose every bit of data. You will not recover any data because it will all be encrypted. So people, okay. Go on. No, no. I, it's going to make you mad when I say this. Just ask the question. It's not a question, it's a statement. People that know that are going to not turn it on. I think by you have to enable it on their on your Apple account now. Well, it I said, think they that made article it you just read said it's an option. Go back to the very beginning of the article. I'm at the beginning of the article. The ability to encrypt. No, no, no. They they had considered giving people the ability to encrypt their backups. That's not two-factor authentication. Oh, gotcha. Two no, two-factor authentication on an Apple account, I believe, is mandatory. Oh, oh, oh I, sorry. Yeah. I thought you were saying end-to-end -end encryption. No, no, no. Oh, I don't know if this will be mandatory. I, I hope it's mandatory, and I hope it's turned on by default. The FBI are still demanding a backdoor for them. But here's the thing. There's no such thing as a one-person backdoor. If there's a backdoor, it's available to everyone. Right. It's only a matter of time before a hacker finds it and shares it. And um, So if you're a backdoor girl, everybody gets the backdoor. Yeah. So pretty much you will be screwed when they say it's an option. I, I don't know if this encryption will be optional or if it will be mandatory. It needs to be mandatory. And the, the, the real simple solution is don't, don't forget your password. Um, See, I knew that was going to get you. That's just in the Ink Master, by the way. Hey, yeah, Justin. no, I know. But that's, that's the solution is have a, have, have a good password. Don't use a simple password. That will just get you into trouble. Have a good, strong password and make sure that you have it backed up somewhere. I use an app called 1Password. There's uh, a ton of available options for password managers, including some very good free options. And if, if, if we're, if we're treating security correctly, we will, we should never reuse a password. 
Everything right. we log into should have a unique, strong password. If you use a password manager, that's so simple. It's really easy if you use a password manager. And I, I strongly, strongly recommend that everybody do it. You really want, you want this to happen. You want your data encrypted because Apple is not, Apple is not, put it this way, Apple's as vulnerable as anyone else to attack. This, this guy that hacked thousands of iCloud accounts is evidence of that, okay? Now, those accounts were probably, they were pro it was probably a phishing thing and they he got their passwords from people and got into them that way. That's always going to be a risk. Never give somebody your password. Never respond to an email that asks for your password. Even if it looks like it's going to an official website, 99% of companies will never ask you for your password or your login information through through email. If you are, if you get an email and it looks real and you think, oh shit, maybe I do need to go check, do not click the link in the email. Always jump over to your web browser, type in the address of the site you need to go to and log in from there. Never, ever, ever follow a link from inside of an email. That's the number one way hackers get access to your data is through phishing. The other way is through vulnerabilities on the websites themselves. Apple aren't immune to that. It's going to happen one day and you really do want your data encrypted for the day that it happens. That way the person that takes your data can do nothing with it and it will take them thousands of years to decrypt that data and be able right. to look at it. By that time, you're long gone. You don't care what kind of dick pics are in there, quite frankly. But yeah, right. So, so you know. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really good move. You know it's a good move because it upset the FBI. That's how you know right. this is the right thing to do because the feds are pissed. Now, I don't think Apple will ever give them a back door into the, the operating system because Apple know better than anyone. Well, they know as well as anyone that there's no such thing as a secure backdoor. A backdoor for them is a backdoor for me. Or somebody. Somebody's going to find it and exploit right. it. And the FBI are pissed, man. They're all kind of upset. So now... Expect to see a flood of legislation trying to outlaw end-to-end -end encryption. We already have laws that prevent the, export the exportation of devices that contain end-to-end -end encryption. How Apple are getting... Well, Apple are getting around that because they're not shipping them from the United States. For example, Microsoft Windows... Overseas, they have to sell a different version of Windows that does not include 256-bit AES encryption from the United States, Danielle, because we have export laws that prohibit it. Really? Yes. Um, and, and I think they've gotten around it now by actually pressing their CDs and doing the development work overseas so that they can include the encryption in it these days. But yeah, the government hates encryption. They fucking hate it. They hate it because it protects you and I. Right. 
We and didn't talk about this. This is kind of a rabbit hole that we're not going to go down. But um, I'm sure you saw that in China with the the white paper revolution that Apple um, disabled AirDrop because that's how people were sharing information over there. And it, mm -hmm. the government couldn't control it. Mm -hmm. So they said, don't let people do that. So Apple said, oh, OK, and went in and disabled AirDrop. OK, is let me. Right? Well, yeah, sort of. Let me clarify that. They haven't disabled AirDrop. There are there are options in AirDrop. There's everyone, friends only, and no one for your options for who you can AirDrop to. Okay. And if you set it to everyone, it would be turned on. What Apple are now doing is turning it off after 15 or 30 minutes. So the option to, that means that means if you're out and about and your AirDrop's turned off, you're not gonna receive those gotcha you know bulk airdrops now i i think it was a shitty thing of apple to do i'm not defending apple here but i want to clear up they're not disabling it they're just changing the way it works and they are changing the way it works to benefit the chinese government right because here's here's how those mass airdrops work somebody's about to get arrested so they f open airdrop quickly and just start sending it to all the phones around them that won't be an option if all those phones are turned off, if AirDrop has been turned off on those phones. So yeah, I think it was a dick move, but Apple, they know who their benefactors are, and it's the Chinese. Apple right, Chinese to, government. Yeah, Apple, well, it's China. It's Apple well, have to do business in China. It's how they, they remain have to profitable. And in with the Chinese government to do any business in China. Yeah, it's how they remain profitable. But yeah, you know it's the right thing to do when the FBI's pissed, right? You know, I, I listen. I'm on a list. I'm certain of it, and they're, you know, and uh, the feds might get mad at me for saying that, but it's the absolute truth. Anytime the FBI gets pissed, you know they're doing the right thing. Speaking of government intrusion, uh, you know the pistol brace regulation that's going to yeah. make felons of millions of people overnight. That got delivered to the White House this week, so. That may be going into effect before the end of the year. So if you have a, a, a braced pistol, be prepared to either become a felon or spend some money and jump through some hoops. We don't know where that's going, but we'll see. Let's finish real quickly. I don't know if real quickly is a thing. Pardon me, a thing here. Zuckerberg to pull all news content from Facebook if Congress passes Democrat-led bill making Meta pay to distribute articles. I take a bit of exception to this article as well. It may be a Democrat-led bill, i.e. it's got uh, Democrat sponsors, but it also has some Republican sponsors, Danielle, and it mm -hmm. has them because of News Corp. Remember we saw this happen in, news in Australia? Yes. And News Corp basically what the news media want to get paid for stuff, news that's shared on Facebook. I understand that. And in a free market economy, they would take care of that. But what they're attempting to do is have this legislated and for the government to tell Facebook, you have to pay them for the news on your platform. So what the government would be telling Facebook is you have to pay for any news story that I, for example, share. Well, that's not how that any of that works. 
If anyone should pay for news that I share, it should be me. That's what capitalism is. That's what the free market is. That's not Facebook's responsibility. Right? Yeah, no. You know, they're they're effectively, they're a conduit. We want them to continue acting as a conduit. We don't right. want them to be editors. We don't want them to have the, the power to dictate what is and isn't shared on their content. And that's what this will effectively do. Well, News Corp in Australia, they were all behind this legislation. And Facebook, Meta, kind of caved to them and struck a deal where Meta paid News Corp $50, $50 million dollars. And um, News Corp said, okay, fine, share share whatever content you want, wherever you want, and, and we won't back this legislation anymore. Here in the United States, they can now call it Democrat-led legislation because News Corp aren't behind it. News Corp aren't pushing it. Let me tell you who is pushing it. Newsmax is pushing it. RSB or whatever it's called, right side broadcasting are pushing it. All the independent conservative networks are pushing for this legislation. It is some of the most anti-conservative, anti-free market legislation I've seen in decades. And all these right-wing media outlets are pushing for it to be passed. They're selling out. They're compromising their principles for money. Here's the deal. Here's the fucking deal, Newsmax. All these all these news organizations that think they deserve money provide content people want to pay for. That's the solution. Provide content that people want to pay for. That's what we do. I mean, we give don't get me wrong, most people that watch our show watch it because they're they're friends of the show and they watch for free. But we right. have folks that support us. We have folks over on Locals that pay us money to do this. They help us sustain this. They help us keep this going. By the way, if you want to, um, that's a good opportunity to pull up Locals. If you want to help sustain this, if you want to help us keep going, tpsreportlive.locals.com, $2.00 gets you uh, $2, gets you a membership over there. So go over and sign up if you want to, and you get extras, you get some bonuses. We try to give you folks some value for money, including a meetup this Saturday from 12 until 2 p.m. at the Celtic Tavern, yes? Yes, but you don't have to be a member. You can just come. No, you can just come to that. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, I mean, we would, we would appreciate you being a member, but yeah, yeah just be come nice on. to be a member, but don't feel like if you're not, we're not checking membership at the door. Yeah. 12 until noon until two at the Celtic Tavern over in Conyers. Come on down, see Danny, see me. Well, you're, you're going to be coming to see this one down here. You're not going to be coming to see me, but head on over. Um, we do this or try to do it once a year when Danielle's here and it's always a lot of fun. So come on out. Um, but to get back to what I was saying, if I share something on Facebook, I should be the one that has to pay for it. Those people should be providing content that you're willing to pay for. I do right. pay. I, I have a subscription to the Epic Times. I have a subscription to Apple News, which, which gets distributed among the publishers that publish on Apple News. I'm we paying pay for a bunch for, of stuff. We have Daily Wire. We have yeah, uh, the Lighter or Crowder Mug Club. Yeah, we have Blaze TV. Yeah, we pay for all kind of content. And if if people like Newsmax and um, Right Side Broadcasting and folks like that, 
I understand you want to you want to make money. Everybody loves to make money. Provide content that people want to pay for. Right. That's the solution. Trying to force another company into paying for your shit is is not capitalism by any means. And it opens the door to government telling social media effectively it strengthens the bond between government and social media, Danielle. It allows government to regulate what social media can and can't do. And that is a very slippery and dangerous slope. Everyone has to make money. Everyone wants the insights. Everyone wants the views. Everyone wants the likes. How is that any different uh, than what we do? I mean, it's it, again, it's not, right? It's But here's the thing. You got to offer some value there, right? Um, listen, I'm not saying that what we do is the best content on the face of the planet by any means, but we have people that think it's pretty good enough to throw a couple of dollars at us a month to help right. us keep this going. Um, and that's, that's the key news newspapers. People used to, uh, people used to go out and pay for a newspaper, right? Back when journalism was journalism. Right. Now it's all clickbaity internet stuff and people just aren't willing to pay for that the way they used to. So how would this work if Facebook has to pay for, like say say I shared a news article on Facebook if this actually comes to fruition. If I share a Newsmax article on Facebook, mm-hmm. then somehow that's, tracked and Facebook would have to Yeah, somehow that would be tracked or they would have to just pay a yearly fee up front which gets divvied up among the um the news organizations. I don't know exactly how it would work. We know how it worked in News Corp's instance. They got a 50 million payout from Facebook from Meta to make the effectively hush make go away money. It was here, we'll pay you this go away, stop pushing this legislation. So how does Facebook stop people from sharing news? Just block the... They would block all those domains. Mm-hmm. They would block every single news domain. And that's exactly what I would do if I was in Mark Zuckerberg's shoes and the government came to me. And it's, it's no different than mandating we buy medical insurance. How many people think that was an overreach of government? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what this would be. This would be a mandate for Facebook. You have to pay for any news that's shared on your site. Well, I would just yank all the news. Or set up another set up another tier, a $10 a month tier for right. people that want to see the news. And that money goes to the... But people aren't willing to pay for Facebook. We see... Remember, you know how these... Sometimes these fake posts go out there. Oh, here's a warning. At the end of the year, Facebook's going to start charging $10 a month and people freak the hell out. Oh my God, Facebook's going to charge money. Some people spend their entire adult lives on Facebook, yet they're not willing to spend 10 bucks a month for it. Facebook know this. They know that they will not survive if they have to move to a paid model. But we might start to see tiered levels, tiered subscriptions. I actually think, Danielle, that for creators like us, they are going to make us start paying to live stream. 
which whatever, I already pay Rumble, right? As the creator, we pay Rumble each right. month to be able to stream to Rumble. By the way, if you're watching on Rumble, hit um hit the subscribe give us button a, and please. give us a Rumble. Yeah, hit subscribe, give us a Rumble. Um, but yeah, we already pay to stream on Rumble. I think that's not too far away for Facebook. It costs them a lot of money to host all this data. And it and what they make in advertising off of the content that's on their site. I mean, does that even No, especially for live video. Have you ever seen an ad roll during one of our videos? Never. No. Never. Um, I see it occasionally during their short videos. What do they call them? Reels. I think they are on Facebook. I don't know what they're called. So I see, um, so I do see a little bit of advertising, but it's nothing like YouTube, right. you know, and I pay premium. I pay for YouTube premium so that I don't get the ads so that I don't have to see them. Again, there's another example of where I'll pay money to, uh, to get the experience that I want. Well, I, I would be willing to do that on Facebook. I would be willing to pay them, whatever, 10 bucks a month in order to live stream the show. If it means that the people that watch don't have to pay. Right. Right? Because I don't, people who watch this show, I don't ever want them to have to pay. Right. I would love for you folks to get over to locals and become show supporters, but that's, that's voluntary. It's optional. It's not mandatory. And quite frankly, we have to actually provide something worth paying for. And our show's fucking hit or miss. So, so I mean, you got to admit, some of them, okay. so, listen, they can't all be bangers. Right. You know what I mean? Our show, I was, uh, I, I was um, on Apple Music, Danielle. And I was listening to a playlist. It was Apple Music's best music of 2022. And it just told me that 2022 was not a good year for music. Yeah. Yeah, those aren't It's kind of like watching our show. Some are a hit, some are a miss. Sometimes we show up and our lips don't match. That's right. That's what right. Hey, but but hey, we show up. Yeah, you're out of your studio as well, so... We show up. We're gonna we're gonna forgive that while you're on the road out of the studio. We're gonna live. Uh, we're gonna forgive that. But yeah, we have. There's one of our show supporters right there, Canadian Bacon, who uh, subscribe and rumbled before the show started, and we appreciate it, Becky. And we're glad you got home safely. There's Hans. Hans is a show supporter. Um, Diamond Dave, Dave Bowen, show supporter. Um, I know there's people on Facebook who are watching right now that are show supporters and we appreciate every single one of you. We love you to death because you're the ones I say that allow us to keep doing this. We're, we're going to keep doing it regardless, but you help us defray the cost of doing this because it's not cheap. Right. I got it. If I'm being honest, I mean, it's, I'm not talking thousands of dollars a year, but it's, it's approaching a thousand dollars a year right hey, now to not, run this show let's what let's not talk money well all right whatever i, I think i think it's not cheap is good enough and yeah. and let's be honest we're just happy people show up and even if they didn't we'd still be probably doing this yeah we'd just be talking to ourselves for yeah we'd be hanging out and arguing with each other an hour or so that's yeah. right 
The only difference between during the show and before the show is now, like, during the show, we argue about actual, like, topics. Right. And before the show, we argue about other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And listen, we're, we're, we're doing whatever we can to make this, uh, to make this thing better. Like for example, being able to bring in rumble chats now and being able to bring all the rumbles up on the screen like this, right? I, I believe we're the only show right now, Danielle, that's doing this. And the occasional joke from Steve. Did you hear about the cow who jumped over the barbed wire fence? It was, it utter, was destruction. utter destruction. Yeah. Yeah, as far as I know, right now, you would, with the exception maybe of David Foster, we are the only live streaming show right now that can bring all of our comments in combined like that and right. be able to bring in Rumble comments on screen and highlight them. And if you super chat us on Rumble, there's a special surprise that not a special surprise. It's just a different banner that comes up for rumble super chats, which is kind of cool. Anyway, I'm not suggesting anyone super chat us. Don't worry about that. In fact, I can probably hold on. I can probably show you what that looks like without anybody having to, let me just trigger a few. No, it's not doing it. So a lot of times when I trigger it, it will like see the hundred gold there. Sometimes uh -huh. it'll trigger those with a rumble super chat and it just has a different, uh, different format. I'm assuming Bob and John Doe are you cause they're. Yeah. Bob and John Doe. First with Steve. I know Steve is you. Yeah. Bob, John Doe and Steve are all me. I'm just, uh, triggering messages. Just, I was again, hoping to get. What kind a, of magic uh, do cows believe in? Moodoo. Moodoo. Fucking hell. All right. That is amazing. We're out of All time. Right. Let's wrap this up. We're wildly over time. Y'all come see us on Saturday. Well, come back Thursday for the show. Well, but come see us Saturday. Because Alex is horrible at promoting stuff. Saturday, noon o'clock at the Celtic Tap. And yeah, yeah, and you can share that in locals and on Facebook, right? Yeah. Good job. Y'all, we love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you out there. Bye, guys. See ya. Bye.